Identity Talk. I'm your host, Jana Lopez. Thank you for sharing your time with me. My mission is to create deeper conversations with dynamic people from all walks of life about uncovering meaning about who we are and how we come to see ourselves. Words and identity are my life. I'm the author of the acclaimed book, Me, My Selfie, and I. I teach online writing workshops called Write About Now and offer one-on-one transformative coaching sessions that break you through to deeper clarity and connection with yourself through a guided process I call See Through Words. When it comes to navigating identity funky junk, it's time for straight talk. Get ready for real stories, real connection, and real hope mixed with humor and a whole lot of love. You're now part of Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. Welcome to Identity Talk. My guest with me is somebody that I went to high school with but didn't really know in those days. And his name is Jason Wish, and he is a location scout for his own company called Three-Legged Dog Productions. I'm, I'm Three-Legged Dog, Three-Legged Dog Entertainment, really. Entertainment, see? Three-Legged Dog Entertainment, that's a key difference. Yeah, <laughs> we got to keep it broad, because that way, if I say entertainment, it could be other things. That's you know? true. I don't have to just be... Uh, just three-legged dog productions. I could do like 40 other entertainment things. No, you're right. And don't let me project my title bullshit onto your business. <laughs> you have a company name, damn it. You've had it for that way for a long time. So, uh, and we re-met, reconvened at backstage at a mutual friend of ours, uh, our friend Rami that we went to high school with who plays with the Foo Fighters. And so we had a chance to connect and chat at a show we were just talking about, we're trying to figure it out. It was in Portland, Oregon, and we want to say three years ago. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was somewhere around September. Yeah, September of three years ago, I think. Yeah, you know, it was September. I remember because it was Yom Kippur, and I remember I brought Rami a Yom Kippur card. <laughs> well, I, I remember because I was talking to my my friend, uh, my friend uh, Derek lives there, and and I went up to visit him and his and his girlfriend, uh, and I was ca- saying, oh man, the weather's so great. I hear so many bad things about Portland's weather, and I'm and I'm I'm like, the weather's perfect. He goes, dude. He goes, tomorrow it's gonna go bad. I guarantee you. And sure enough, I think the next day it got freezing cold. <laughs> so I I was there for the three days in Portland. And I guess it was really nice weather. Yeah, we like to do that from time to time to fool people. And uh, then they want to move there. And then that's a whole other story. But the reason why I wanted Jason on is because we're friends on Facebook and I'm aware of what Jason does. And he is a location scout amongst other things because it's a big umbrella under entertainment. But primarily what I was familiar with was location scouting for huge videos and big stars and movies and commercials and I was just intrigued with this idea that I knew nothing about what a location scout does, first of all. And second of all, I'm always really intrigued by how art is created and how art happens. And I started thinking about this idea of location as part of an art form when you watch a video, when you see a commercial, 
when you watch a movie or you're immersed in the experience, oftentimes the backdrop or the location and becomes part of the art. So then I started thinking, well, what the hell does the location scout do? How do they figure it out? What do they look for? What does their day turn into? And so then I was like thinking, I just need to have a conversation with Jason. I want to know more. And so that's, that's how we're here sitting here. And he agreed. I said, Hey, would you mind coming on my podcast? And he agreed. And so, you know, I thought it was going to be, if nothing else, a fun and interesting conversation because how many movies, like I think about Thelma and Louise, that iconic scene at the end when they go off the cliff, somebody had to go and look for that location for that cliff to where the car was going <laughs> to, you know, so there's a lot of iconic movies where there's scenery where that just stands out in your mind. So how long have you been doing this and how did you get into uh, it? I've been location scouting for somewhere around 20, 25 years. And I kind of was, I, I was an actor, obviously, as most of us people were in LA, I was an actor for a while. And uh, that got kind of boring to me. So I actually started working at a production company a friend was working at as an assistant. And because of my knowledge of LA, they started sending me out to do find places for locations. And so, because I, I know where I already knew where everything was. So I would literally just go knock on doors and, and bring a 35 millimeter camera and take pictures. And so that's basically how it started. That was about 25 years ago. Um, and I actually had a location guy that would call me and ask if he could work for the company I was working for. And at some point, I convinced him to hire me to go out and scout for him. So I was scouting for my friend uh, Dan uh, for his, his – he had a company that was had a bunch of scout, location scouts. So I started scouting for Dan's company, and it was, it was great. I know where everything is. So it was, it was just natural almost. You're right about something, and I meant to say this earlier, is that the locate to me the location is a character uh unless you're shooting in a studio which is just blank walls uh unless we set design the studio which we often do but if you if you're looking at a real location it's a character in 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 the process so i've i've said this to directors i said that to me the location is the first character of any any project you do you need to have the location before this talent shows up you have to have a place for them to show up to so the, the building and the location has to have its own personality. And that's often driven by what the director or client wants. So do you have a conversation with the director or the client to talk about what the project is or the feel or the tone or the, you know, something about it that helps ignite your own creative process? Or do you already have like a vision and then you say, you know, this might be really ideal for what you're doing? How does that work? Give me an example. It's usually the producer saying the director is looking for this style or this feel of, of a location. And um, so I usually go by that. So for instance, I'm on a job where he wanted uh, something that was mid-century modern or um, uh, more create, creative feeling interior, something with an interesting ceiling. So to me, that's usually a mid-century. So I, I at least had a little start with that. So that's easy to, mid-centuries in LA are, are actually kind of common. So those are easy to find. I have some jobs where they ask for, I have another job going on, a big job, and they wanted a Roman-styled location with attached 
with a, a humongous garden. And that's not the easiest thing to find. Roman style buildings in LA are not like you, you don't find them everywhere. So um, that was a little bit, that's been a little bit more challenging, but yeah, it usually starts with the client uh, or the, with the producer telling me what the client and director wants. I do like talking to directors when I can, because they explain things better sometimes than producers. Producers kind of just give you a general idea. Directors will give you much more detailed feeling of what they want. Give me an example, like of somebody that said to you, I, w- I would like a Mad Men type style. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that. That was a, uh, it was a Taylor Swift video I worked on. And for sure, she wrote a song for Sugarland that uh, she was also going to be in the video. And the director wanted, specifically said, I want Mad Men. I want Mad Men. So I, I basically started looking for those, you know, I, houses. I, I First off, I started calling uh, people to see if they had worked on Mad Men and see if, what locations they had used before. That's smart. So so one of the processes in, in my work in, in, uh, is that I there's these companies called location libraries. And what location libraries are, are they're agents for locations. So I can call them instead of me knocking on doors or hoping that I know of this exact location, I can call a location library and say, hey, I need locations that look like they were in Mad Men. And what they'll do is they have a library of tens of thousands of locations. They'll send them to me. So I started getting locations for houses that look like Mad Men. And then um, I knew of a market out in, one of the shots was a market, and I knew of a market out in Reseda that was, it's it hasn't been updated since the 60s so it's got the floor, bad fluorescent lights and the t- bad tile floors and it looks it, it just looks like it was never changed um and then the the one thing the director wanted was he was like could you find me where the offices were for mad men and i knew where they were they were down at, at a studio in downtown la uh that's now in in old, the old uh gas companies has a building downtown that is now a studio uh, and so I knew that the set w- had been there and the office was still there. So I called them. So basically those were some of the locations that we ended up using. We, I found a house in Encino that the woman still had, she still had plastic on the couches. <laughs> I love it. And on the lampshades. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, yes, it was, she has not touched that house since she moved probably in since 62 or 65, whatever it is. So it still has everything the way it is. It was perfect. Um, so we used that house and then we used the market, which was about 15 minutes away. And then we used the madman set, uh, um, uh, at the studio. And then I found one apartment online that looked like it had not been touched since the sixties and down in kind of Koreatown area. So, yeah. So, that that is something that happens. The, the director says, "I want that Madman feel," and you just go and find where they film Madman. And and that is another thing about our lo- locations in LA is, unfortunately, most of them, the good ones, have been used before, so they're not hard to find. You just you just have to do some research, and maybe you can even look it up online sometimes and just punch in Madman sets, and up will pop like fifty locations, and then you just go from there. So, do you go and knock on the lady's door? and say, hi, we want to film a Taylor Swift video here. And then what does that mean for the person that lives in the home? Do they have to vacate for a day or a week or are they compensated? Like, how does that all go? Like, how do you, you're, you're stepping into somebody's life. I think they filmed uh, right before I moved from Portland, they were filming down the street for me. 
an episode of Shrill. And I wondered how they found our neighborhood in the house that was down the street. And, you know, like, I was just curious about like how that happens and how do they vacate the people that are there? Well, there's a couple of things that go along. So for instance, for the, for the Madman house, I basically, I, I called a location library. I called a couple location libraries. There's probably in LA 60 or 70 location libraries. And as I said, they act like agents. So what they do is they have a, a library of, of locations based on your needs. So I might need a modern house. I might need a, a office building. I might need a market. They already have these things in their libraries. So what I do is I call up five, six of my favorite people, location libraries, and I say, hey, I need a house that looks like it's a madman, maybe a 60s vibe to it. And they'll send me sometimes 40, 50, 60 locations. I go through each one. I find maybe five, six, seven from each library. And then I put, I build a website with the ones I like. I put them on the website to show the uh, director of photographer. So for, for that one, particularly, I had probably 15 or 20 houses that I liked that I put on this website. That being said, I have no problem knocking on doors too. Of course, the problem you have with knocking on doors is I don't really know what the interior is going to be. I just know what the exterior looks like. And sometimes the interior is completely different than the uh, exterior. So it's, it's a little easier to, to knock, to, to be able to go to these location libraries and have them send you a dozen, sometimes like one person uh, for this last job sent me nine pages of locations and each page had 10 locations. So there, she sent one location company sent me 90 locations that I had to go through before I picked seven or eight out of hers. But not knocking on doors is, is is a possibility. And the other the other thing that's been happening lately, uh, the last five or six years, is I can actually use Google to find locations. So I have on on certain jobs not wanted to go out and spend you know an hour and a half in traffic driving to a place to knock <laughs> on a door to see if they're available. So I will literally Google a location and go, oh. Okay, and I'll find the, the 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 owner's name or the and I will call them and say, Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, your place for this job. Is it available? Can you send me pictures? It's 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 a different world than when I started. If you want to if you want me to go into details of how location works <laughs> when I started was compared to what it is now, it's two completely different beasts. Yeah. Well, I think all of the industry has had to evolve to some, I mean, you know, computer graphics and technology have changed a lot of the way people have done a lot of these jobs with production. And I know, I think it was a year ago or maybe a year, a year and a half ago, you did the Beyonce video. And I think you had had to have the Grand Canyon shut down for a day or something. I don't remember what that was all about. So like what you know, it's a little bit different than going and knocking on a door and finding a house. So if you have a full-blown situation like that. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they, they, they called me. Her, her people called me and said, you know, well, somebody from the, from the production call and said, hey, we, we, um, we really would like to get some amazing uh, waterfall. And so I, uh, this was on a Saturday. And I spent a couple hours finding waterfalls. Uh, that I thought could work in the U.S. They wanted to film it on Monday, which is really, really difficult uh, due to permits and, and all the stuff that you'd have to get to film at most locations. Um, I did find one in L.A. that we could drive to, but uh, Monday, early Monday morning, me and the producer went out there and looked at it. It didn't work. 
it, it just wasn't spectacular enough. It, it was a working waterfall, but it wasn't spectacular. And I knew what they wanted. They, they had been, they wanted something just spectacularly beautiful. So I happened to call Havasu Falls. I, oh, I'm sorry. What I did is I called, and this is a trick, not a trick, but this is something I use all the time is I called a lot of the film commissions in the areas that I, I thought could work. So there's, I, I did get a couple of locations in California and normally it takes two weeks to get a permit for like a, a, a state property or it could take up to two weeks because of the clients, they were willing to drop that and get us that right away. And there was a couple of really great locations in California that worked decently. They would have worked. I, I, but I also happened to call, I had seen online Havasu Falls picture and I called the Arizona film commission and I started talking to him and I was like, Hey, I couldn't tell him who the client was. Uh, and the only reason I can tell you the client now is because it's already been shot and you're the, you've right. already seen it so i would never talk right. about the client prior to to to, right. to shooting something so the client basically said i, I called havasu falls told him i had a client that wanted to shoot at havasu falls on wednesday and he said that's going to take a month to two months to get a, a permit because you got to go through the havasu indians but for some reason he had mentioned to me this is the film commissioner of, of arizona he mentioned to me that he had lived in hollywood his brother was an actor. His brother was James Earl Jones. And I kind of, <laughs> I got lucky because the video was for Lion King, which James Earl Jones was in. So I, I asked him if I could call him back. I talked to the producer. I said, listen, I, I don't normally tell the, the, the film libraries or the film commission who it is, but his brother is in the movie with, with the talent. He's going to help us. And the producer said, do what you think is best. So I called them back and said, hey, just to let you know, this is actually for Lion King, what your brother's in. And he went, let me see what I can do. So about 10 minutes later, he called me back with the uh, lawyer for the Havasu Indians and said, call him Tuesday morning and see what he can do. And of course, that's what I did. First thing Monday morning, I called him and said, hey, I, got, I, I explained him who it was. And what we want to do, we want to be there the next day and shoot. And he's like, it's really hard. It's really hard. It's, it takes a lot of time, but let me see what I can do. By 1.15, he called me back and said, you guys can film here tomorrow. <laughs> so I literally got permits to shoot uh, and permission to shoot in Havasu Falls in less than 24 hours. And next day we were there, we were shooting. Well, what we actually, what we did is we split up the crew. We, uh, our talent went to Havasu Falls. She flew there and I actually took the crew and we drove to uh, uh, Sedona and we actually set up Sedona uh, so that when she was done uh, with Havasu that she could fly to Sedona and we could get another shot off. And that's exactly what happened. And we, we by six thirty, seven o'clock in the evening, we were done. <laughs> it was great. It was amazing. It was, it was a, it was a group of people coming together, coming in with an idea and getting it done in, in, less than 24 hours so I, I can't say it's all me it's, it's it's a lot of other people came in and helped out well I don't understand why somebody with as many people working for Beyonce as she probably has don't they know that they want to do this like a couple of weeks at least <laughs> I mean why is it such like you got you know what what is that I don't understand in a creative meaning it can constantly change got it 
because there's, there's like 10 or 15 people that are wanting, throwing out ideas. And I mean, sometimes the ideas, the problem is idea people and production people are sometimes two different beasts. So idea people of which I consider myself to be with come up with these beautiful, crazy, eccentric, let's do this. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's fly to the moon and shoot something on the moon. And I understand that because that's the way my brain thinks. The problem is you, the the production people, us production people, we have to start thinking logistics. Right. And so it's easy sometimes for the creator to come up with a great idea and, and, and not realize what it takes. And I've told this to production people and producers and directors and creative people and talent all the time. I can get you anything you want. If you want a sky filled with 50 helicopters, I can do it. It's just going to take time and money. So any, any idea that we come up with in production can be done. If somebody wanted to shoot uh, on, in, in a spacecraft, I could get it done. It's just going to take unbelievable amounts of money <laughs> to get it done. And I, as someone like Tom Cruise, I think Tom Cruise is actually going to do that because he's got the time, he's got the money and he's got the ability to get it done. But anything can be done. It just takes time and money. So have you worked on locations for a whole film, like a whole movie, or is it just segments of a movie? I've, I've only done one movie, and it was the, one of the first things I ever done, and it was because they couldn't afford a real location manager, so they just hired me. And it was, it was a tough, tough deal. They had no money, and they had a lot of big locations they wanted. And we got it done. We got it done. I, I was one of the I – w- I, I had never done a movie before, so it was it was tough on me. But um, but we got it done. I worked mo- most of my clients right now. Are- what movie was that? Uh, it was a movie with Tracy Ross, uh, Tracy uh, uh, who's on um, Blackish. It was uh, it was it was a movie about her mm-hmm. taking a taxi ride. It was I think it was called Affair to Remember, but it was F A R E. Uh, I think my Ma- Ma- okay. Ma- Ma- Warner was in it. <laughs> It was a long time ago and they were both very nice and super friendly. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of work for me because, you know, nobody, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing and they wanted a lot of things that I, I you know, I couldn't get. So, uh, but it was, it was a good experience. And you said mostly you do uh, commercials and music videos now. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing most, I uh, do mostly commercials and music videos. And uh, I guess the biggest thing I've ever done, uh, actually Beyonce's, Blackest King is probably the biggest, but I'd say the thing that catapulted me to get things like that was that I did uh, the happy video for Pharrell, which ended up being a 24 hour video. If you if you go to their original website, you could watch the video for 24 hours. It took us 10 days to shoot that, but the video itself was 24 hours. And I I basically almost turned that down because a there was no money. It was a very, you know, they didn't want to spend, give a lot of money to the location department. Uh, B, uh, the conversation I had with the directors was about two and a half hours of them telling me what kind of locations they wanted. And they wanted me to scout it over the weekend. That Friday was a holiday and that Monday was a holiday. So I basically had like a couple of days to find something between a holiday and it just was not, it, it was a lot of locations and it was, it was, them wanting to go to like it, it was it was tough it was tough and basically how i got the job was because every other location manager had turned it down so i i was at some point i was like okay i'll give <laughs> i'll try it i'll just see what i can find and 
it worked out somehow. I, yeah. I mean, the, that's the other thing is you start adding, you start being almost a producer and, and, and kind of helping along with the production and saying, this is how I see things getting done. And so my suggestion to them was instead of trying to do different locations every time, why don't we do something where we roll the camera for 20 minutes and we start, we started one location, we ended another location, but that way we keep the camera rolling for 20 minutes at a time. So instead of continually cutting and going, okay, we have to go 20 minutes to another location. We just keep going. Cause then that's editing time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what ended up happening. We, we started figuring out ways of walking for 20 minutes straight. What I don't think people understand is the logistics of doing that is a nightmare because you, the, our camera guy was walking backwards for 20 minutes at a time. So I had to find locations where he could just keep walking and we would just, we would basically shoot for four minutes the talent would walk out of scene. The camera would go down. The camera would come back up. There'd be another person there. And you have to imagine that we did this for 20 minutes of time. And, and that's a lot of coordinating to figure out how to do all that. I'll have to watch it again. I mean, I do love that video, but I don't really remember that detail. So I'll, I'll have to watch it again. And, um, you know, I'll definitely pay attention to that. Watch for the guy in the car driving for 20 minutes because that's me. Uh, they, they had kept, okay. <laughs> they, they kept asking me if I would be in it. And I kept, saying, I, I, I did my acting stuff. I'm not interested in it. I go, nah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And I, I just happened to love old cars. And one day they had an old car show up an old Buick. I think it was. And I walked up to them and I go, what's, what are you guys doing with the car? And they're going to, and they basically said, well, we're going to just have the guy that brought the car drive around for a little bit with some cute girls in the back seat." And I raised my hand and said, I'll do that. <laughs> and they're like, okay. They said, sure. <laughs> so I, I got in the car, drove around. And most of the segments for that were four minutes, four minute segments. So, but they kept filming the sec, uh, my me driving. They, we filmed for like six segments. And so if you watch the video, I'm actually in it for six segments. And it's just ridiculous. It's so silly. It's just me driving a car with girls in the back of the car kind of waving and, dan and dancing to the song. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> I joke around that technically I'm in it. Well, the only person in it longer than me is Pharrell because Pharrell, Pharrell's in it at the top of every hour. I'm, so he's in it for 24 segments. The next, I'm in it for six segments. So technically I'm co-starred with Pharrell. That's what I tell people. Nice. <laughs> no one buys it, but... Um, <laughs> Um, and, you know, I want to talk about you personally, like not just professionally, how, how your work affects you and everything. But before I switch gears, I don't watch a lot of TV or a lot of shows. Um, once in a while, I'll find something, but I ended up getting roped into Bridgerton. And that's also what made me think about location, because these places that they're filming it are redonkulous. They're just incredible in the gardens and the scenery and the, the lakeside. And to be able to go and discover those places would be a dream job. <laughs> that would be awesome just to go to England and look at castles and mansions. I've shot all over the world too. So yeah, that, that is something I've done before. And I definitely do, do like looking, going to places like England and stuff because they do have these, old worldly locations that are a little bit harder to find in LA. So it's, it's really nice to go to, I've been to Cape town. I've been to England. I've been to Germany. Uh, so going those places that these, they've had buildings that are 
well over a thousand years old is amazing. It really, it, it, it changed. Like I do watch TV and, and movies and, and films and commercials a lot. And I, and when I see certain things, like I'm just awestruck sometimes on, on what I could find, what is available in other parts of the world. Can you just watch a show and enjoy it? Or do you sit there and you pick it apart? Like about the look, can you just like enjoy it or are you picking it apart? No, I analyze everything. Yeah, no, I analyze what it takes for them to do a shot. Like I'll go, okay, they've got to do this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. It, unfortunately it ruins, ruins us a bit. So, but I do, I do enjoy the creativity. Like I watch something and go like, I like, um, what's the show I watch a lot right now? Uh, uh, American gods. And I watch that show and I'm like, wow, they're just so visual sometimes on, on that show. It's amazing. Uh, I, I really like how creative they are with some of their, some of their locations and the looks and stuff. So I'm, I'm able, I'm able to enjoy it, but I definitely tear it apart too. So what's it like being around people that have such wealth and fame and notoriety and, uh, you know, I mean, you're around, you, you're around so many people that have so much all the time. And, um, I don't know. I think it would be like going to Disneyland every day. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it would be just such a different world. What is it like to step into that world and then step out and then not be in that world? I, I, I think it's a little bit of yin and yang. So um, I look at them and what I like about a lot of these people is that they're creative and they've created an environment where their creativity is, is allowed to, to bloom. So um, let's, let's just take Beyonce. I, I, I really enjoyed working with her. I thought she, she's very creative. She's hands-on. Um, she, she knows what she wants. She, she, I mean, she gets in there. She, she's part of, of the production. She, she's involved with everything. So I like watching that. I do. I like, I like seeing how she, she looks at things and comes up with ideas while we're on the fly. Sometimes I really do like it. Cause that's kind of my brain too. I, I wouldn't say exactly like Beyonce's. I, I have other ideas, but, but I'd like the fact that she's involved. And a lot of these artists are most, most of the guys, most of the people I work with are very creative people that really enjoy that part of the business, like coming up with, this is their image. This is what they like to, to put in front of them. The thing that's hard for me is that, is that they're, that they have always have to have security around them and they always have to have, there's always these people around them. It's like, I don't know if they ever get that break. You know, like I, I love the business, but you know, I like coming home and not, I, I, I'm in my own, I do my own thing. I'm in my own world. I don't have to worry about anybody else. So I think it's a little bit of a yin yang. Like I would, ne growing up, you know, you, as, as a kid growing up and thinking you were going to be an actor, you, you think I want to be the biggest actor in the world. Well, the thing that's changed being around these people is I don't want to be the big, I would never want to be the biggest actor ever again. If I ever got back into acting, I'd want to be the guy that just does a couple lines here and there so that I'm working, but I don't want that. I wouldn't want that ultimate fame anymore. I don't think it's, it's scary to me. It really is like, it's, it's a different world. Um, I, I will say too, that 99% of people I work with are, are seem like really great people. Uh, the celebrities I've worked with, they're usually really, at least to me, they've been really nice. I can't say I've come across any um, celebrity that I, I wouldn't work with again because they've all been, you know, they've been, they've been very nice people and they're just creative and you get to watch them do what they do best. There's a reason why these people 
are at the best of the game. Have you met Brad Pitt? I met Brad many, 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 many years ago. I worked for his management company uh, back in the early 90s. So I would have to drop <laughs> scripts off to him. And he was, he was a nice, he was a super nice guy. He was very friendly. I remember dropping a script. I remember dropping a script off to him once at a Thai restaurant. Um, and he was there with someone. He's like, sit down, sit down. So I sat down with him for a little bit. And he was, he was dating Gwyneth Paltrow at the time. And he was, he was telling nice stories about her, but about, about how the fact that being in love made, made you feel like a better person. And this was, you know, early. Well, I, I don't remember the exact dates, but it was, I think, the early 90s. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, he was, he was a nice guy back then. I haven't, haven't seen him since, but, yeah. And, you know, growing up in L.A. like I did as well, I mean, I'm not starstruck. We, we see people all the time. We have friends who are celebrities or doing big things or, you know, we, we come across uh, six degrees of separation. Somebody knows somebody. It's not really that big of a deal, but once in a while – there will be somebody that you'll meet or that you come across that is, uh, is, is jaw dropping. And I, and I would imagine somebody like Beyonce's caliber. And I, and I'm glad you brought that up about being around the creativity because that is true. Like how many of us get a chance to be around creative people all day thinking and creating and imagining and visioning and exploring and asking questions. And, you know, that would be an ideal world, a creative world, money and fame aside that would be an ideal world. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, let's just start off by saying that I didn't know what black, when we, when I was working on black is King, I didn't know what the final product was going to be. I just was basically helping them out, finding locations. Uh, and it was a long run. It was like eight months of finding stuff. I, I didn't have, I thought it was, I actually thought in my brain because I didn't, I never asked. Sometimes I don't ask what the product's product is because i just want to do my job and and not be involved you know like I, it's not my necessarily job to be involved with other stuff so i actually thought this was footage for her concerts that we were shooting that would be background stuff um so when when black is king came out it's an hour and a half long and i watched it and went wow that was really spectacular and again i wasn't the only location person i did most of the la stuff and i did the arizona stuff but there was a New York location manager. There was a South Africa location manager. There was a lot of people that were involved with putting this together to do an hour and a half visual project. And, and so when, when I saw it, I literally sat in my house and went, wow, I, I didn't actually have an idea it was going to be that spectacular. <laughs> you know. So to me, that, that's what I mean by watching it and, and going, this was all in someone's brain. And they put this together and they, and it's visually standing, stunning, you know? So I, I was really, really taken aback and really happy by how, what, what came out of it. It was spectacular. She is spectacular. And I keep thinking about, you know, the people that we do know, we were talking before we started recording about how much everything has changed with COVID and how like, you know, imagine somebody like Rami who has toured stages all over the world he plays with the Foo Fighters and they they've toured all over the world many times over and to have an entire life everything you know your whole entire existence just completely shut down um how did that affect you personally and how did that affect you professionally how has the last year been it, it's been a, it's been definitely a roller coaster I mean obviously March 
12th or 13th, I had uh, three jobs I was working on. The next day, I had no jobs. They literally, like, all three jobs called the same day and said, we're canceling the job. Like, I had a job that was supposed to film the next week. I had already found the locations. I already paid for the locations. We had talent. We had everything ready to go. They called up and said, nope, done. Um, so that, that happens three different jobs in the same day. And I did not work again until June. Uh, I, I'm lucky that I, I make a decent amount of money and I, I, I didn't have to worry about it. But um, it, the, what happened when we started up again is it, it became a whole new world. So we have all these rules now that we have to abide by because of COVID. So, for instance, we before I do anything, I have to go get tested. I got tested today for a job next week. Uh, not only did they test me today, I've already gotten tested twice this week for two different jobs. In addition, next week I've gotten tested today for a, a job, and next week they want me to test again. So I'm going to get two tests for one job just so I could be on the set because they want to make sure nobody shows up to set with anything. Then the other thing that happens now is that we have what's called COVID officers, and they basically are on set with us all day. They test everybody when they show up. They, they do temperature tests when they show up at set. Uh, they walk around with sanitizer. They clean. They, they give it for people's hands, and they also clean the locations all the time. They're walking around just cleaning the locations with these sanitizer machines. So it's, it's changed a lot. Um, I had a, a Facebook friend that was complaining that she didn't understand why Hollywood was allowed to open up and restaurants weren't. And when I explained to her that my, I was on a production that spent almost 70 grand for three days of COVID people because we were doing a big music video and we had like 90 people on set. It cost us almost 70 grand to have these COVID people with us. I said, that's the difference. The restaurants are not doing that. The restaurants have people rotating in and out. We have people that are on a set that have been tested and we have code people with us cleaning and making sure everything is, is kept clean. It's, it's just an expense to production. And, and I don't think a lot of people understand that. They think we just got away with something, that we're somehow considered privileged and we can do whatever we want. They're paying for it. It's coming out of the bottom line of production somewhere. Yeah. I, and the other thing is there's been a couple of jobs lately that I have scouted for. Um, and normally I would scout and then what I, I become is called the man, location manager. So I manage the locations when we're shooting. Um, there's been a couple of jobs the last two months that they've said, we don't want a location manager on the set because they want to limit the amount of people on set. So from going from 70, 50 to 70 people on set to 15 people on set. So that basically I've lost a little bit, a lot of work basically because I, I was no longer, they did not want me on the set those days. Well, how did it affect you personally? Like, were you still, you know, just being quarantined and hanging out and not seeing friends? I mean, if you had a social sort of existence of hanging out and meeting people and doing things and all that, and then everything stops, how, how did that uh, affect you? I think you, uh, I think you being, I think you being a Facebook friend would, recognize that i'm extremely social i i i sometimes <laughs> go out after work and 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 meet friends and stuff and and it's it's been difficult i mean i've isolated in my little uh 
two bedroom house in, in you know, Burbank. So it, it went from, I was going out every night, almost meeting friends. And now I'm down to, I maybe once every two weeks, go meet a friend somewhere and that's it. You know, and it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's hard to go from being social to isolation. And I, and I honestly, I don't actually hate isolation. I've always enjoyed some bit of being by yourself, but I do like going out. I also have friends that my best friends that I hung out with every day, almost moved to Palm Springs because of this. So they went and bought a house down in Palm Springs, got out of LA. So I, I don't have my usual compadres that I was, you know, hanging out with on a regular basis. So it's, it's been tough. I, there's been weeks at a time. I don't see people. I mean, I just, I go pick up food. I come home or I work it work was slow for the last two months. It's starting to pick up again, but you know, it's, there's a lot of downtime. Do you have a volleyball that you've named yet? <laughs> Wilson, you know, <laughs> Wilson. No, no, I, I, I have weights that I, I now have got that I take with me and I go, I go on walks, little weights. That makes me happy. I bring these little egg weights with me and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's either a product of getting old or fucking being pent up. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like the entertainment value of whatever we have going on certainly shifts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I mean, if I wasn't working, I, I used to go see two, two or three movies a week. I'd go to the theater. I haven't, I haven't sat in the theater in, since March of last year, so it's, it's crazy. I used to go see two, three movies a week. Now I sit home and I'm fine with watching movies at home, but it definitely it, it takes away from the thing because I, you know, I'll pause and go grab a drink. I'll pause and go to the bathroom. I'll pause and go talk to my landlord. The phone will ring. I'll hang up. I'll turn put the phone uh, the the movie on pause and 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 watch you know and talk to my friends for 20 minutes so it's taking away a little bit of that 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 fun of going to sit in a movie theater yeah but i will say tv's gotten great like there's some really good tv now so i at one point i i was backlogged with tv shows i was like i can't watch all these shows i i there's just too much tv so but if i had if i could do anything i'd be a, a tv producer and director because that to me right now is, is where it's at. It's just so good right now. Yeah, well, it's good to be inspired. It's good to keep the creative conversations going. And I, I love and admire and respect and appreciate that you're having an opportunity in your life to do that. I mean, a lot of people dream of that. And, um, you know, if we're not expressing and creating, then then what good is it? It feels like, and so many people that we went to high school with have done some amazing things. Like I'm always surprised and shocked at how, you know, people that we just hung out with are off doing things, big things in the world. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I enjoy, I enjoy seeing creativity anywhere. So it's like, it's good to see that our high school happens to be extremely creative. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I actually have ideas of like, I have a couple of music I have a couple of music videos that I, I want to, sh I've shot, I've directed a couple of music videos. So I, I have a couple more in mind and one of them I'd like to film at Fairfax at, at, our, yeah. at our high school, you know? So it'd be, it'd be, it'd be fun to do just to go back to, to the school that I went to and, and film something would be amazing. And you had to have done some things at Cantor's. I've never filmed there, but I, I, I've, I've called them. I've called them once or twice to film there, but I haven't actually ended up uh, ended up there. I love their little uh, the kids room, room. The little bar. There is is amazing. It's yep. so it's so perfect and and crazy. Uh, 
uh, a little fact, my grandmother worked there for like 10 years at, to, at the at Canner. So I used to go to Canner's all the time. Um, but Kibbutz Room is one of my favorite places in the world. And uh, uh, it, if I'm not working and there's and they're no, no COVID, you'll find me there on a Tuesday night sometimes. Um, but yeah, I haven't actually filmed at Canner's. Yeah, there's so many iconic locations. And you know, it's funny, I grew up in LA too. And it's, I, I go there and people are always like, well, what was that like? What was that all about? And maybe I took a lot of it for granted. I would never live there now. Like I would never go back now. But whenever I go back and visit, I can see it with new eyes. I can see the nuance of the architecture. I can see the, the neighborhoods. I can really experience the flavors of, um, you know, time and place. Because all you have to do is go in a neighborhood and you're you're in a time and a place of something. And um, L.A. really does have a lot of those characteristics that when you see them in commercials or videos, you're like, oh, that's pretty iconic. Palm tree swaying. The, <laughs> you know? it's, it's definitely got a feel. There's a reason why L.A. is the, des- is the number one destination for filming. And the reason why is there's nothing there's no place in the world more diverse than L.A. So if you need anything, I can find it in L.A. Uh, you, you want uh, you want an Italian villa? I can find that. You want a mid-century? I can find that. You want beach? I can find that. You want skiing? I can find you skiing an hour from here. So uh, I can find you desert. I can find you ocean. Like there's no other place I can think of in the world that I can find. I can find you uh, a Japanese village in L.A. No problem. I can find it. It's like the, it, there's a reason why everyone comes here. And the weather, there's no place in the world the weather is as good as it is in L.A. There might be some place in the south of Italy that might have close to this, but they're not going to have the diversity of uh, they're going to look like Italian villages. They're not going to you can't find a, a downtown L.A. look to it, you know, or, or mid, mid Manhattan look to it. So this is the reason why people come to L.A. to film is because we can do anything you want. I can find you here. Anything. I'm going to cue the Randy Newman song because that's like what's in my head. Exactly. I love, I love LA. Well, is there anything else you want to add? Like that you think people should know about the creation and the work that uh, we see and don't really understand, but is such a part of the tapestry of our visual experience. Well, I guess my only thing is, is to say that if you are a creative person, this is the best time in the world to, to be a, a creative person because you could literally take your iPhone, you can take your phone and go create stuff. There's been no time in the history. 20 years ago, uh, if you wanted to be a filmmaker, you needed to have $150,000, you know, 35 millimeter or 70 millimeter camera. Nowadays, you could literally use your phone. And if you have something good and creative, you can shoot it on your phone. I have I've worked on professional commercials that were shot on on a phone, professional commercials shot on a phone. So you, if you're a creative person, the only thing stopping you from being creative right now is you, you can grab, you can come up with an idea. You can get a group of creative people together and just go out and do it. It's the easiest time in the world. You can, you can shoot it on your phone. You can, you can edit it on your computer and you can put it in in 50 different uh, uh, platforms online and get your stuff done. It's 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 just a matter of doing it. And 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 I've worked with people that have done that. I mean, I've worked with musicians that recorded their stuff in their friend's mother's garage 
and now he's assigned. Um, he's a he's he's becoming a big artist. I just shot something with him, and he's great. You know, so it's it, it can be done. Just go out there and do it. And and the first thing may not hit. It may be the second thing. It may be the fifth thing. Maybe maybe the thirtieth thing you shoot that hits. Just go do it. Have fun. Life is short. I like that. I do. I like that a lot. Thank you so much for spending your Thursday night with me. (laughs) Does it matter? I'm out of pajamas that I know, like (laughs) we're making progress. Good, good, good. Um, And I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. I've had a fantastic time. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, share it with someone you think is in need. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. For questions or comments, reach me at janalopez.com. And when you're having a moment of identity doubt, just remember that seeing is relieving.